At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. This is America's Sports Talk Show, Sports Byline USA. Here's Ron Barr. Victor Conti joins us on Sports Byline USA. I've talked to Victor a number of times, and we talked about sports and some of the problems it had, and he is part of what was a problem at one time. He was the founder and president of the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative, Balco, and he developed the band Steroid THG with the help of bodybuilding chemist Patrick Arnold. In an interview, he admitted running doping programs that broke Olympic records and said, and this is his quote, the whole history of the Games is just full of corruption, cover-up, and performance-enhancing drug use. And he's now, though, a crusader in trying to help clean up sports from performance-enhancing drug use. He wrote a book, and a very interesting book. If you get a chance to pick it up, I urge you to do so. It's called Balco, The Straight Dope on Barry Bonds, Marion, and What We Can Do to Save Sports. He's also involved in a documentary that I hope you'll check out. It's called Doped, The Dirty Side of Sports. It unmasks the dark reality of ban substance testing you know we have known each other for a very long period of time and i'm just wondering when you think back over say the last 15 years in sports and performance enhancing drugs where have we come from or are we still in the same spot victor well let me say first of all thank you so much for having me back uh, with you ron it's always a pleasure and i remember being in this same room here back in 1988 with the olympic shot putter Greg Trafalis. We came in before we left to go to the Olympic Games in Seoul, Korea. And uh, as everybody knows now, that's where the the infamous Ben Johnson positive drug test occurred that kind of turned the Olympic movement on its ear. So back to where do we stand now relative to uh, the past? Uh, I think the testing is more effective now, but uh, the use of, of drugs is still rampant. Instead of being able to just use all the drugs they like and then taper off like they did back in 1988, because at that time there was no out-of-competition testing. That didn't start until 1990. So now they, they have to 
duck and dodge, as I call it more, and, and they're using more fast-acting substances like synthetic testosterone creams, gels, and so on, and they simply take them um, at night, and uh, by the time the testers show up in the morning, their, their TE ratio, testosterone to epitestosterone ratio, as it's called, is back down uh, below the allowable limit. So have we seen less home runs? Have we seen uh, the performances uh, decline over time? Uh, we have uh, because it is, it is more stringent, the testing, but uh, people are still, in my opinion, using drugs to, to gain a competitive edge. You know, I've known you for a long period of time. I've always found you very uh, introspective. I've always find, found you intelligent. And yet I always have wrestled with the thing, somebody like you doing what you did, I always felt it must have been a challenge for you. You wanted to see what you could do to maximize an athlete's ability. Uh, am I correct in that observation? Well, you are. Uh, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that I founded Balco in 1984. I didn't take that trip down the slippery slope, so to speak, and start uh, assisting athletes with the use of, of PEDs until 2000. So for 16 years, I helped athletes uh, simply by testing their blood and, and determining what their various depletions or deficiencies may have been, and then uh, creating an individualized nutrition program, and, and it was all legal stuff. I mean, I, I worked with hundreds of NFL players and in 1997 or 98, when the, when the teams that uh, won back-to-back -back Super Bowls were there, I, I went to the training camps and developed a nutrition program based upon their blood profile of, of the entire team and, and had done extensive work uh, at an elite level uh, without the use of drugs. And then I learned uh, that at the very elite level, uh, I guess I first became aware of this in 1992 when an Olympic track and field official uh, informed me that uh, one of the athletes that I was working with at the 1992 Olympic trials, track and field trials in New Orleans, had tested positive. And then a few days later, he called me back and he said, uh, well, you can tell your boy that he's off the hook uh, because uh, some of the elder statesmen at that time, it was called TAC, the Athletic Congress. Today, it's known as a USATF, United States Track and Field, had tested positive and, and some of these... Uh, senior members had decided that uh, it just wasn't a good time to, to have these positive drug tests come up, and they were all swept under the rug. And this, you know, I sat with this knowledge and knowing this from 1992 until uh, the year 2000, like I say, and, and what had happened was in, in 1999 at the Mr. Olympia uh, Expo, actually I was there a, a week or two ago in Las Vegas uh, at the same show, uh, is where I met the chemist Patrick Arnold, and uh, he knew that I'd worked with, with lots of different elite athletes, uh, including Barry Bonds and, and Marion Jones and so on. And he said that uh, that he had some stuff, he called it, <laughs> stuff uh, that, that uh, seems to help athletes with recovery and uh, would I like to try some. So uh, I sent him a check and bought some. Uh, it was a very small amount. I, I bought one a bottle, uh, I think it was a 100cc bottle, and, and paid something like $150 for it. And uh, so I ended up uh, taking this myself. Uh, I did what they call a suppression test, where I took it every day for four days in a row. And then I uh, collected urine samples, and I sent them in to be drug tested. And they came back clean. But I could see that the TE ratio 
was uh, being suppressed and say it started out the first day it was at 100 and then it went to 75 and then 50 and then 25 and then zero. And so I knew it had an affinity for the androgen receptor. It had anabolic properties, but I didn't, I didn't know the name of it. I didn't know at the time this was norbolethone, a, a drug that had been developed in the 60s that had never been brought to the marketplace. But uh, it, it wasn't an approved drug. It wasn't on the prohibited substances list. And so I started experimenting and, and giving this to athletes and realized it was very potent initially and, and uh, diluted it by 50% compared to the original material that I got. Um, but that's how it all started was that I had this uh, undetectable substance. And, and, of course, once I had made that decision to do that and then eventually um, I decided full-fledged to join the culture, it was a mistake it was all wrong. We all know, you know, how explosive things became after that and, and the various consequences that uh, occurred, including me having to go to a prison camp for, for four months. But um, it uh, it was a challenge, as you say. I mean, that's that's what attracted me in the first place to, to working with these athletes, to be in the trenches with them. And I was very careful in selecting the athletes that I worked with. I, I realized I can't just take somebody who's in the top 50 and help them be number one, but if somebody is in the top 10, and it wasn't just me, I, I would have a support team of other people that, that did strength training or track training or, uh, you know, contributed in, a, in addition to the nutrition and, and then later on the pharmacology that I brought to the, to the team. Victor, let me ask you a question. When did the genie really come out of the bottle uh, when it came to performance-enhancing drugs? Because when I think back, in my years of covering sports, the only place I can really remember where, uh, you know, steroids uh, were talked about was in professional wrestling, uh, weightlifting uh, also, uh, and then with uh, the Oakland A's and Jose Canseco uh, and Mark McGuire, it was always whispered, these guys are big and they're powerful, and that was the early 90s, and I had the commissioner at that time say to me that he had sent out a memo to all the teams saying, steroids are banned, but where do you think it crossed the line and really became mainstream? Well, I, I think like you just referenced with the weightlifting and one of the coaches uh, had went to Russia and this was as far back as the fifties. Uh, um, Ziegler, uh, I guess helped with a pharmaceutical company to develop uh Dianabol, the original anabolic steroid an oral anabolic steroid and I think they were using this in the 1950s and even in the 60s. It, it uh, uh, was available and being used in the NFL. And in the 70s, you know, the stories you hear about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how rampant that uh, steroid use was then. And then uh, in baseball, I believe it was in the, the late 80s uh, when Mark McGuire and, and Jose Canseco, you know, uh, the Bash brothers, as, as they became known, um, began to dominate uh, the hitting in, in Major League Baseball. And, of course, it carried over, and, and, the, and then the pitchers started you know, throwing 100-mile-an-hour pitches, and, and uh, it just became a whole new game. We only have a minute before we have to break here. Uh, what was it that really motivated you to jump from the one side where you were involved with developing these, these performance-enhancing drugs over to the other side to try to prevent them? Well, it was the rationale that, uh, and, and it was wrong, and, and I, I no longer have this opinion, but I reached a point mentally where I thought if everybody's doing it, it's not cheating. And I don't like to use the word everybody, but uh, I've always referred to it as the overwhelming majority 
those that get into the final of a 100 meters at a world championship or Olympic Games. And, you know, that was a mistake. Uh, just because everybody else doesn't, does it does not make it right. And uh, it, it was a rationale that I was looking forward to. Uh, looking forward to enable me to make that decision to take that trip down the slippery slope. And it was a mistake. Insightful conversation with a man who's been down that road. We're going to talk to uh, him about the the way they're looking to try to catch cheating athletes. And also we're going to talk about this documentary that he's uh, uh, quoted in and on camera quite a bit called Dope, the Dirty Side of Sports. We do that as we continue across the country and around the world. We've got you on Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is America's Sports Talk Show, Sports Byline USA. Here's Ron Barr. Victor Conti has joined us here on Sports Byline USA, founder and president of Balco. I think most of you, if you know anything about sports and about some of the problems they've had with performance-enhancing drugs, knows the story there. But Victor now is on the other side of the issue as a crusader in trying to help clean up sports from performance-enhancing drug use. Uh, I pick up or go online, pick up a paper. Every season I see another football player has been suspended for four games because of uh, using a substance of some type. Have they not gotten the message? I mean, what is it that makes people continue to want to try to beat the system in some way? I'm, I mean, I think it was back in the 90s, was it not, that uh, the NFL instituted, you know, not using steroids, and if you did, you were going to get suspended to some degree? What is the mentality? You've dealt with these athletes. What is the mentality that either the athlete or people around them say, hey, let's do this? Ron, in short, it's all about the money. This is the incentive, and you just referenced the fact that NFL players for a first offense are getting four-game suspension. This is just not enough. There needs to be uh, more effective, longer-term penalties. So when these guys realize, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, When Milky Cabrera in Major League Baseball tested positive for synthetic testosterone, at that time... There was discussion that he may receive a seventy-five million dollar a contract at that point. So he he obviously used testosterone, tested positive, and uh, had to serve a, whatever it was a fifty-game suspension, I believe. And then instead of signing a, a seventy-five million dollar deal, he got a thirty-seven million dollar deal. So that is really what I see as the primary problem: is it's all about the money, and then. There's not enough of a deterrent. 
They need to penalize these guys, like make them uh, miss a, an entire season, and the pay that they would get. 50 games is just not enough in Major League Baseball, and four games is certainly not enough in the NFL. Let me ask you about boxing for a second, because you've been very instrumental in being involved in that sport. And there was a lot of talk about why the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight wasn't going to happen. It was because of who somebody wouldn't take this drug test and what have you. You were right in the heart of all of that. Tell me a little bit about what this was all about. And I think it is probably a window to what the problem is in trying to get testing in the right way. Am I correct? Yeah. In fact, back at that time when they were trying to negotiate that fight, they did reach out and talk to me about this and get my opinion. And if you remember, it was, well, how many days before the fight can they uh, stop the testing? Is it going to be one agreed that there would be 24 days and another one said, well, we want only 10 days. And, and they ended up not being able to make this fight. But one of the problems now uh, is with Mayweather testing. And I believe he will come back, and, and we'll see more of Floyd Mayweather. I don't believe his career is over yet. But part of the problem with the testing that he does is he calls it Olympic-style testing. And that is simply not what he's doing. The, at the very core of the definition of Olympic-style testing is 24-7-365. From day number one, I believe this was back in 2010, 2011, whenever he fought uh, Shane Mosley and, and he started doing the uh, – the SADA testing, he always has done this. He typically fights twice a year, in May and September. And as soon as he selects his opponent, say that be in the beginning, it was more like 10 weeks out from the fight, and uh, then they would implement this testing up until the fight in May, let's say. And then as soon as the fight was over, then they would no longer do the testing. And then when it got close to the date in September, whether it be 8, 10, now it's four or five weeks, uh, the way they're negotiating these fights out, then they would start the testing. I just believe that it's wrong to enable somebody, regardless of how much money that they have, to be able to turn the testing spigot on and off when they decide to do so. It's in between the fights and what we now know, as an example with Olympic caliber athletes, let's take the world-class sprinters that have done such fantastic things from from Jamaica in 2008 and 2012. I believe that when they use these drugs, these elite Olympic athletes, is during the October, November, December time frame, months and months before the Olympic Games, whether they be in August or September. And, of course, anabolic steroids in conjunction with an intensive weight training program, four or five months of training like that, and those gains will carry over that six months until they compete at the World Championships or Olympic Games. So... That's the problem is they're testing, they're bragging, as an example, at the 2012 Olympics in London that they conducted 6,000 tests, but they only caught six people. And the reason is because they're not really testing them truly out of competition during the fourth quarter of the year. That's the time they need to put their hook and line in the water because that's when they'll catch the fish. And instead, as we now recently have learned with all these scandals that have developed in Russia and Kenya and other places in the world of track and field, that for five months before the Olympic Games in London in 2012, there was absolutely, well, they say one test out of competition test was done on these Jamaican sprinters. And anytime you see, uh, for example, the, the women won gold, silver, and bronze, all three of the medals in the 100 meters, 
and in 2008. And then the men, as an example, in 2012, in the 200 meters, they win gold, silver, and bronze from a small country. And they're not only from the same country, but the same coach. This is highly suspicious, <laughs> in my opinion. So what I'm trying to say is, I believe those, when I said earlier, it's all about the money, that this is actually state-sponsored doping, that the the Olympic Committee members, the in in Jamaica, it's called JODCO, the, the Jamaican anti-doping uh, 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 company there, that they are enabling, harboring, and promoting the use of these drugs. And, of course, the board of directors has now all been cleaned. They've cleaned house. Uh, Renee Ann Shirley, who's a part of this uh, uh, epics documentary, she went to Sports Illustrated and blew the whistle and, and basically exposed the fact that these people uh, at the top we're, in fact, looking the other direction while the athletes use drugs. You know what's interesting about this, Victor? All we have to do is think back to East Germany when it was separated from West Germany and the swimmers in East Germany, and they were guinea pigs. They were giving them steroids. They were giving them all sorts of drugs. You're shaking your head, yes. And when it, it, it really shakes me when I think that was back in the 70s. Maybe. 1976, Montreal. Exactly. And I think where we are now today and it's still going on. I mean, it's not going to change. And well, I, I don't think the system is going to get any better to catch it and stop this, it. This is exactly the point I was just making. And I, if I recall correctly, something like 13 out of 14 gold medals available to women swimmers in Montreal in 1976 were won by East German women. And this is when you see these types of numbers, uh, it just doesn't make sense. And therefore, they need to target test these athletes they need to go back. They have something called the Adam system, which is a way they can track every athlete that competes in the Olympics and when their samples are, are collected and what tests are performed on those samples. And if they would go back now, now that we realize that what's going on now, everybody is, has for years been asking, well, where's the next clear in the cream? Where's the next designer steroid? What's going to come along next that is, that is not detectable? But that's not what's going on. Everything has went the opposite direction. They're now going old school back to the endogenous hormones like testosterone and growth hormone and IGF-1, which is an insulin-like growth factor one. These are endogenous hormones that are produced by your body. And then they just use gels and creams and other fast-acting methods. And, and, or they will microdose, and instead of taking a dosage once a week, they'll take a seventh of that dosage on a daily basis, and that puts them flying below the radar where they're below this allowable limit, or now they're, they're using these drugs at night. So if, on their whereabouts form, when the testers request where they're going to be an hour a day, and they say that's going to be 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning where they train at a, at a given facility, and then the tester doesn't come that day, well, then they can go use these drugs, even, even like EPO, a powerful a drug that really enhances oxygen uptake and utilization and stamina and endurance, uh, they can take this, and by IV method of administration, it clears the system in, on average, 19 hours. That means by the time the tester would show up the next day uh, where you've indicated on the whereabouts form, you're going to be below the allowable limit and test negative. We only have 40 seconds before we have to break, but is the horse out of the barn? Well, I'm glad the debate's on the table, and it, it's certainly ablaze, and, and there's a lot of discussion, and I hope there will be significant changes, because if they have the desire, genuine interest to catch these people, I can certainly give them some good advice. Do they have that desire, though? 
I don't think they do. I don't either. Yeah. I don't think they do. I think that's that's predominantly the problem is those at the top who control uh, who receive the majority of the financial gain at the elite level of sport, uh, it's not in their best interest to catch these athletes. And I also think it's not only money, but I think it's politics as well. We certainly saw that in East Germany because that was the way to give them stature in the world and to put forth <clears throat> propaganda of their type of system as well. Fascinating conversation with a fascinating man, Victor Conti, with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about this documentary. It's called Dope, the Dirty Side of Sports unmask the dark reality of banned substance testing and i think this will really open up your eyes to what's happening we continue across the country and around the world on sports byline you're listening to ron Barr's sports byline usa podcast at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is America's Sports Talk Show. Sports Byline USA. Here's Ron Barr. Victor Conti is with us here on Sports Byline USA. Victor, I, we've alluded to it a couple of times. Dope, the dirty side of sports. Give me a little bit of history on this documentary. Well, uh, Andrew Moscato uh, reached out to me probably about a year or so ago. I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly he made this, and, and he came and, and we talked, and and I gave him my input regarding who should be involved and, and really what the story should be about. And uh, I think he's made a great film. And I'm glad to see that it's involving questions that need to be answered about USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency. And most recently, you probably uh, read about this, what has been called IV Gate, involving uh, Floyd Mayweather and the fact that he, he did... Uh, uh, rehydration after the weigh-in in his fight with Manny Pacquiao. And he did so uh, without uh, a therapeutic use exemption, nicknamed a TUI, or the equivalent of a doctor's note to do this uh, sort of procedure. You have prohibited substances, but you also have prohibited methods. And then uh, it, it came out, and these types of questions need to be answered. As an example, I've seen a lot of the contracts in combat sports UFC as well as boxing, where on average they charge about $25,000 to do the testing. What came out uh, in this article by Thomas Hauser, uh, it was actually uh, the Wednesday before the recent Mayweather fight was, uh, they posted parts of that contract showing that USADA had charged Floyd Mayweather for the testing for he and Manny Pacquiao $125,000. Now, it begs... The question, what, what is Floyd Mayweather receiving for this additional $125,000 that he's paying uh, for this? And it didn't get out, and, and this information disclosed to the Nevada State Athletic Commission until 18 days after the fight. And then conveniently, uh, USADA went back and gave him this therapeutic use exemption for something that had happened before the fight. So... There's some serious questions here back to, is there a genuine interest in catching these athletes? And I'm not so sure there is when you're receiving 
so much money. Somebody comes to you and, you know, offers you five or six times the normal amount, it does raise the question, what are they actually going to be giving in return for this uh, substantial increase in payment? It's a lot like FIFA. If you think about the organization, I think it's the same way. Is the motivation not to really uh, do anything about this in a serious nature because of the fact that the roots of the problem are so deep? You know, that's an excellent question. And let me say this. Uh, There's a lot of people that don't realize that when WADA, the World Anti-Doping Association, was founded in 1999, and the supposition is that somebody stepped up and and decided that it was time to look out for the clean athlete and to try to uh, eliminate the use of PEDs in sport. But that's not the real reason that it was founded. I believe the reason that it was founded was because Dick Pound, who I know quite well, uh, is also still uh, on the board of the International Olympic Committee, and he's the one that, that founded WADA back in 1999, But his job was to raise money from sponsors. And I believe that these sponsors demanded some form of insurance that they weren't going to sponsor these games and then have a bunch of these athletes test positive and then ruin the value of the dollars they were spending to sponsor the Olympic Games. And that's really what it was about from the very beginning was uh, like an insurance for these, these big television sponsors uh, and and so that is a conflict of interest to me. Yeah, it, it is. I want to ask you about a portion of this film. It reveals more about what Major League Baseball commissioner did and did not know, and that would be Bud Selig, about the steroid scandal in baseball through the first-ever public interview with former MLB investigator Ed Dominguez. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I believe that Bud Selig is the king of propaganda, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that, you know, tell tall tales, but he, him saying that Major League Baseball has the most effective testing in American sports, that's simply not true, and it's never been true. And I'll give you a specific example. Uh, in their contract, it states that, and the Players Union has agreed to this, that Major League Baseball has the right to test up to 30% of the players during the off season. Now, as I said earlier, this is when, if you want to catch the fish, this is when they're biting. This is when the athletes are using the PEDs. This is when baseball players are loading up on PEDs. What we know, if you look at the last five years, the statistics show, and if you take, you've got whatever it is, 1,200 players, and you take 30% of that, uh, that number is about 375 players. Now, if Bud Selig has the right to test 375 players during the offseason, why is he only testing, which is 30%, why is he only testing about 50 players, which is less than 5%? So it's, it sounds good, but in reality, he's not doing a, he, he wasn't, he's no longer there, but he, he wasn't doing a very effective job at uh, trying to catch the fish when we know they were biting, which is during the offseason. Are you concerned about any other sports besides Major League Baseball, the NFL, that are in the same class as those two sports that I just mentioned as far as problems with performance-enhancing drugs? 
Well, I don't know what you mean by the same class. Well, um, well, you just talked about Major League Baseball and, and what was happening there. And uh, we know NFL. We talked about that a little bit early. I don't hear so much about it in hockey. Don't hear about it in the NBA uh, to any degree. So I just wondered if you were looking across the whole spectrum of sports, whether it be Olympic sports or what. Well, the Olympics is another one. You talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, is this thing so pervasive that it's totally out of control. Well, what's obvious to me, and we see this, and, and the NFL made this statement when they went before Congress, that we're proactive, that we have less than 1% uh, positive test rate. They're, I believe these athletes are getting the heads up. They know when they're going to be tested. They're, they're those who are receiving the majority of the financial gain, meaning the executives, at the, those at the very top, they know the athletes are using drugs, and it's just one big pulling the wool over the eyes of, of the fans. So, I, I once again, in hockey, do I believe there's rampant use of drugs? I do. Uh, you know, back in the day, pre-Balco, if it was 80% that were using drugs, maybe it's 65% now, and some have realized that there can be serious consequences, and some athletes... Lance Armstrong, Marion Jones, and others, uh, once the federal government got involved and, and some serious consequences, including jail time, like for myself, uh, those examples came out. I think there was a small percentage that decided that the risk was just not worth the return. So I think it's less, but I still think that it's the majority and it's still rampant. Why don't they just legalize it and oversee it in some medical way? Because any substance... Too much is as bad as not enough. Water is the most essential nutrient known to man, but too much will kill you. You will drown. Uh, I believe uh, that the mentality of most athletes is if a little bit's good, a lot's going to be better, which is not the case because it makes you prone to injury and, and other adverse health effects. But I think you would see people dying. I think, you know, we know that EPO is a very powerful performance-enhancing drugs. It can thicken your blood. It can kill you. So I don't think that, that we need to say, listen, just do whatever you want to do. Uh, there has to be some restraint because these drugs can. And, and the argument is that when used in moderation or used under medical supervision, you know, people have said this about, anabolic steroids. Where are the bodies? Everybody keeps talking about how bad. Where are the bodies? Where are these people that are dying? I, I don't believe there are acute problems where it causes death, but over time, and I think we need to differentiate between use and abuse. And I think there has to be some mechanism of control there. And I think you're right. Uh, if these are used, uh, they can enhance the quality of life. I mean, I, I do believe that, that older gentlemen that, that have low levels of testosterone and, and lack energy and libido and, and adequate recovery when they, when they train, that when used properly, there can be some, some benefits and improvement in quality of life. But if you abuse these, then they can cause serious adverse health effects. And you and I both know, because of what you pointed out before, money, there's always going to be abuse in anything that's going to generate money. Uh, I think the thing that that probably concerns me when you talk about uh, about the problems that athletes could have. Think of football players. Once they put that helmet on and go out and play that game, I'm sorry, they're in trouble and they're going to die 
and they're going to have the problems that we're hearing about uh, with the brain uh, issues and, 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 and people killing themselves, committing suicide. These concussions are, are just uh, a guy that was a part of the Balco uh, case, Bill Romanowski, had like 21 concussions in his career. I'm very concerned about this in the world of boxing and MMA. I mean, these people are using drugs. They can hit harder. They can, they're faster. The damage that they do is greater. And, and I think we've got a lot of, uh, I see a lot of boxers and a lot of MMA fighters now slurring their words. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the adverse health effects, they have uh, uh, wives and husbands and, and daughters and, and family that care about them. And, and the mentality, as we know, years ago when they did that survey uh, where they asked if you knew that, uh, I believe this was in Sports Illustrated, and and if you could uh, win an Olympic gold medal, medal, knowing that you would die a certain amount of time thereafter, would you do it? And the overwhelming majority said yes. They'd rather be a somebody for a short period of time than a nobody for a long period of time. And that is the mentality that you have. It's a, it's a use-or-lose, and as long as the athletes feel that the testing is inept and nobody cares and they really don't have a genuine desire to catch people, they feel they have to do what they have to do in order to be competitive. And it's like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in the jungle, and it's a fight, and you do what you got to do. we got a couple minutes left here, and you're the perfect person to ask this question because you have such depth and perspective on this from when it began to where we are right now. Ten years from now, where might we be in all of this? Well, that's a very tough question. I, I am glad to see that the truth is coming out. This is what I don't like about uh, the way Travis Tygott, for example, the CEO at USADA, uh, he's not telling the truth. The reality is that, you know, they don't have the technology to catch these athletes. You can use epinephrine or adrenaline, and they don't have a test. You can use something called IGF-1 along R3, which is undetectable at this point in time. You can use thyroid medication that speeds up, and they just don't have tests. So you need to tell the truth. That's, that's a place to start. Don't act like, you know, we will hunt you down to the end of the earth and we will catch you and we will, because you won't. There, there are people that are going to continually get away with this, but I think there needs to be uh, a truth speaker that's in charge and letting people know what we can do and what we can't do. Yeah. With the nature of uh, new athletes coming into a sport, new coaches coming into the sport, does that complicate the situation? I think education is a big part of it. Yeah. I really do. What is it you'd like to see happen in, in this area? I mean, you've been now singing a different song and being trying to do something about it. What would you like to see happen? Well, I'm most concerned about combat sport. And the reason is it's not the same as running faster than a guy in the lane next to you or hitting a ball over the fence. I am very concerned about the NFL and the contact there and the hits that they take. But specifically where the objective is to bash the other guy's brain in we need to have the best possible testing that exists and provide as much of a deterrent as we possibly can. That's where I've been focusing my energies over the last five years is, is in combat sport. In about 30 seconds, when you think back all you've been through, all you've seen, is there one particular moment that kind of is emblazoned in your mind, Victor? You know, I would have to say that was the moment that I watched on television when Marion Jones was standing on the courthouse steps and crying and saying that she had betrayed her fans. And and after many years of lying, she finally decided the best thing was to tell the truth. 
I didn't really feel sorry for Marion Jones, but I looked at her mother and her husband, and I realized she's got now three children. And that's the moment I really realized that those around you, my family, they didn't cheat, they didn't do anything wrong, but they certainly suffered, and there was a lot of pain and, and other consequences that, that they received, and it's just simply not right. Victor, I want to thank you. Every conversation we've ever had has been insightful. It's been useful. I get a lot of reaction from it. Thank you, sir, for your time. You're welcome here anytime on Sports Byline. Always glad to be with you, Ron. Thank you. Victor Conte with us. Again, think about some of the things that he said. We continue across the country and around the world with you on Sports Byline. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash slash iHeart.